Hi everyone, my name is Steve Tudor and welcome to the Friday Show. It's a show that's already eaten our Easter eggs and we regret nothing. On today's pod, we're looking ahead to a trip to the South Coast that looks straightforward on paper, but that has fooled us before. We'll also be celebrating the form, goals and calves of Sir Jackie Grealish and as ever we'll be going around the grounds. To discuss all this and more, I'm delighted to be joined by a stellar cast of blues, namely Lloyd, Ben and Laura. Hi Lloyd, you there? You well? Good morning. Uh, I'm very well. Long weekend. I don't like chocolate though. Um, you said this before and, and I've purposely forgotten it because it's so bloody weird. How can you not like chocolate? <laughs> it's just not It's just not what everyone makes it out to be. Right. Bold, bold claim. But very bold. Very What, the texture? Do you not like the texture of it? I don't know. The texture's fine. I just, I just think... I just think the overall experience is just not what everyone gasses it up to be. I'd rather have a lot of other things. Well, I've got to say, the the work that I do, it's like been well over a decade now of working for different betting companies and different, you know, organisations and all the rest of it. And I never get any gift packages or freebies and I wouldn't expect anything, you know, but still, it's just at the back of my mind, I've, I've sometimes thought, mm, you know, I work for this clothing company, you think they maybe would have sent me a free top now and again at Christmas time or something. The other day from nowhere, I got a parcel, I had no clue what it was. And it's from one of the betting companies I work for, and it was a huge box of uh, Thornton's Easter eggs, and they've all gone, <laughs> every single last one. <laughs> and there's a lot. There was a lot of chocolate. There really was, and I'm not proud of that. It was not good. Um, right, moving swiftly on from my obesity. Um, ben, are you there? You well? Yes, I'm good. Thanks. Yeah, I am a fan of chocolate, but I think uh, for my kids anyway, I think it's the only time of the year where they uh, they have chocolate for breakfast. So certainly. Yes. Their favourite time, I think, bre- breakfast pudding is what they call it for Easter. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard of that um, thing that's become quite popular now? Is it Yes Day, where for one day per year, uh, whatever your kids ask for, you have to say yes to. Have you heard about that? I think there's a, like a corny movie about it, isn't it? And it's not right. as... Uh, yeah, it's obviously, awful, it's not... <laughs> it does, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll be keeping that with my daughter, absolutely. Uh, Laura, you there? You well? I'm here and I'm good. I'm just surprised by Lloyd's take on chocolate. Oh. But yeah, <laughs> no, I'm I'm really good, thank you. It feels like an exaggeration, but it's not by much. That's ruined by Easter, Lloyd. Absolutely ruined by Easter. <laughs> That's fine, I'll take that, Steve. Happy to contribute. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Let's move on to um, the game, the big game this weekend. Yet again, it feels like a must win because they all are at this time of year. Um, right, I, I want all of your takes on on this particular subject. So we're going to start with you, Lloyd. What kind of lineup are you anticipating? Um, we should say the four centre backs are working a treat, but Walker and Lewis should return here, perhaps. Um, possibility of Bernardo stepping in with Gundo rested for buy-in. Harlan's a really interesting one with being back in training. Um, how do you think Pep's going to go? Mm, yeah, it's. I think with Bayern so soon on Tuesday, I think that definitely comes into Pep's um, Pep's thinking. And so I know uh, Luke, who is one of the guys on Twitter um, who has quite a big profile, who basically has it as his job to, to predict Pep from a fantasy football perspective every week and has now pretty much become a City fan from doing so. He... Um, compiled a lot of the stats this season and last season that show Pep always rotates before a Champions League game two or three right. players yeah. 
and there's a, and that's borne out in the numbers. So I think there'll probably be a couple, but you know, given how we played against against Liverpool, I would expect there wouldn't be too many changes. Um, so I think the back, I think the back four could be exactly the same, to be honest. Um, right. With a, it's I think it's hard to know whether Walker plays in the Champions League or not. I think recent kind of selection would suggest probably not and it would be Stone so maybe he does play at Southampton but Walker's been a key player for us generally in the Champions League so I think that that's a real question mark otherwise I think the 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 three will be the same I would have thought uh, in terms of Akanji Diaz and Ake and then yeah in midfield maybe Gun, um, Gundo drops out Bernardo comes in I could definitely see that that's quite a standard change but I think the front three will probably be Haaland and Grealish and Mahrez. Um Again, there's probably a chance Alvarez keeps his place and maybe plays instead of, I don't know, De Bruyne. Um, because Alvarez has pretty much exclusively played centrally, hasn't he? I don't think he's kind of in the in the running for a wide position. Um, and I would have thought, given Haaland's been in training and we have Bayern, I think Pep will want to start him to give him some minutes and then ideally bring him off if we can. So... So I, yeah, tough one. I think there probably will be a couple of changes, but I imagine one one will be in defence, maybe one in midfield and one in attack, and that'll probably be as, as much as it would go. Okay. And um, Ben, do you agree with much of that? Is there anything you disagree with? No, not really. I think this time of the season, Pep's talked about it before and in recent weeks about keeping, you know, the, the basically the players that are playing well, keeping mm. them in. Um, obviously, he's got to mix that with trying to keep people fresh. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, possibly I was thinking it might be a bit of a, a curveball, but, you know, maybe Rico comes in um, at left-back. He's played that a couple of times, hasn't he, recently? Um, and you, maybe, you know, Ake's rested or something like that. But I just wonder whether, you know, when they look at the, the stats with the, um, you know, the strength and conditioning guys, is whether it's like, you know, in each line, you know, defence, midfield, attack or something, we rest one or something like that, you know, just to keep the freshness uh, again, the Bernardo for Gundo one's probably a bit of an obvious one. Gundo's totally the the go-to man, isn't he, for the Champions League? Um, and I agree with Lloyd about Haaland getting minutes, whether he starts or whether he keeps Alvar- Alvarez and maybe Haaland gets like the last half an hour or something like that. I could see that also. But I think the where our squad is, um, you know, being fairly lean, I, I think now, and I know we'll talk about a little bit later on about the, the FA Cup semi-final, but... I don't even think there's that much room for like mass changes. I think yeah. it's going to be you know yeah. two or three players tops per per game really. Um, so yeah, so so I don't think minimal. I don't think uh, lots of changes. I think there'll be minimal changes if we do see some. Laura, who who do you want to see starting um, in attack? Do, would you prefer Haaland or Alvarez, particularly with Bayern in mind and the fact that you know Haaland won't be a hundred percent fit? Um. I'm not fussed either way, to be honest, but I think the main thing is is that, obviously, well, we know Haaland can't play that full 90 minutes. Yeah. Um, so it's either a case of Haaland starts and comes off after 60, um, or Alvarez starts, and maybe Haaland gets the second half or half an hour or something like that, or maybe they both start. Um, who knows? Yeah, um, either or, really, for me. Um, but I do feel like Alvarez has is, is proven himself, um, especially in big games and stuff like that. So he's definitely worthy of starting. Mm. Um, if we didn't have Bayern Munich in midweek, I would be on the complete 
idea that that Alvarez starts the game, but we need Haaland getting minutes. So it's, it's yeah. It, but then we'll we'll pep throw Haaland straight back into the mixer and start him. I, I don't know. It is. I've got to say, for me, it's 50-50 coin flip and I'm just going to sit firmly on the fence. But on the subject of Alvarez and Haaland, um, this is kind of a nice, neat flow as if I've done this before. Um, Lloyd? No is, way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do City now have two distinctly different ways of playing with and without Erling? Yeah, I've seen a lot of this this week. Um, I think it's been overplayed a bit, to be honest. Um, Obviously, when Alvarez plays, I think we have a slightly different capacity to win the ball back high and break from kind of the front to middle third that we ne- probably don't have with Haaland just because I don't think Haaland is lazy or I don't think, you know, he doesn't do the work. But Alvarez is a, he's a bit like Gabriel Jesus in that he's just, he just, re- he seems to read like the goalkeeper and the defenders just so well. Mm. Um, and I think obviously he does have different elements to his game, which Haaland just doesn't have. Uh, so you know the ball for the for the second goal um, against Liverpool. I just don't see Haaland playing a pass like that, to be honest. You know, as, as good as yeah. as good as he is, it's just not really an element to his game. So we are. I think we're a bit more joined up with Alvarez. Um, but the thing is, actually, if you, I, I went and looked at the stats after the game. Alvarez probably had the same amount of touches that Haaland did. In the game, same amount of passes that Haaland's been averaging most games. I think he came out with 33 touches, 18 passes. It's not that many. It's not, so for example, when we used to play with like Foden or Bernardo up front, they used to average somewhere between 45, 50 touches and be involved around 30, 35 passes. So they were much more in the game than either of those two. But I do think Alvarez does give you a bit more kind of back to goal creatively playing off the other players. But I don't think it's two entirely distinct ways of playing. And the reason I say that is I think if you play with a false nine versus one of those two, then I think there is quite a distinction. Whereas I think one to the other, yeah, it's slightly different, but I don't think it's like this totally two different ways of playing. Um, And I think the other thing is that we've not, this is kind of the first time where we've separated them. Generally, Alvarez has played with Haaland. Yes. And that's that's kind of been the route to get them both in the team. Um, And... I think Pep will increasingly find it very difficult to go either or because I think they're both so I mean obviously Haaland's so good but, but I think Alvarez is proving himself to be so good that putting him on the bench a lot is, is going to be increasingly difficult so it's been an interesting topic but um, I don't think Pep's going to be sat there going oh this is a game for Alvarez or this is a game for Haaland yeah no no I think that's right it's a fair point and I yeah, I think that my question, the, the bit I would take out of my question would be distinctly different. There's clearly a difference, mm. but yeah, it, I, I wouldn't say they're distinct as such. Um, but as you say, it's been kind of fascinating seeing people's different takes on it. Um, ben, should Kevin De Bruyne assist this Saturday? He will reach 100 Premier League assists. Um, it'll be the quickest any player has ever reached that landmark, and it'll be only the fifth player to ever do so. Does his overall sublime football, the fact that he's Kevin De Bruyne, the, fa- the fact that he's a magician, does this all detract from the fact that he's also a generational assist king? Yeah, I mean, I think we do take him for granted. Um, I was, uh, you know, I think this when you, you know you talk to opposition opposition fans and stuff, and they'll be like drooling over him, and you sort of think, you know, I think for example on on these podcasts, it's not he's not 
somebody that we're talking about week in, week out. Um, so I think from that point of view, we probably do take it for granted. Um, this may sound slightly controversial, but I also think sometimes with his uh, assists or sometimes goals, but particularly assists, sometimes that papers over the cracks a little bit. Obviously, mm. he's he's awesome and everything, and we all know that. But you know, there has been a few times this season I can think where he hasn't been having the best of games, but he'll still get an assist or two. Um, but I think so. I think in terms of do we take it for granted? Um, yes, we probably do. I was looking at his, his assist the other the other day, just seeing basically how close he was to that the record which he equaled, didn't he, a few years ago when it was twenty. Um, 20 assists in a season. Yeah. This is just in the league, 20 assists in the season. He's on 14 at the moment, so I guess he's got 10 games to get seven or more, um, which, you know, if we have another big scoring game, you know, where, where Haaland grabs another hat-trick or something and he gets a couple of assists, then I think that's certainly on. Um, but I think he's just, it, it, with regards to how he, you know, how he does his assists and that, it's just precision, isn't he? I think he's the sort of player and they often say that, you know, players can, they paint a picture, don't they, in their head before something's happening. And you just imagine that he can literally put the ball exactly where he wants it every time. Mm. Um, and it is such a unique skill. And um, yeah, we, we do take it for granted. Um, the only thing I guess he we he could do with a bit of work on is his, his, uh, his celebrations. Oh God, yes. The, the Liverpool one. <laughs> uh, he looked like uh, he didn't know what he's doing, did he really? But no, I, I mean... That. He's excellent, and we're we're really lucky to have him. And I, I think he, again, he's we obviously do appreciate him. But I think you know, five years time when he's not here, and we look back at his highlight reels and stuff, you know, it's just he's just amazing. And even his his highlight reel, I think somebody was talking about earlier in this season for his goals this season, he's basically just scored all absolute awesome goals this season. That's not There's been no tappings or anything. I guess the Liverpool one aside, but everything's going to be like twenty yard screamers and stuff like that. So yeah. Mm-hmm. He's amazing and we're, we're lucky to have him. I think with his assists, um, he passes with power, doesn't he? And I don't think a lot of footballers are capable of doing that whilst allying that with accuracy. Um, and it kind of reminds me when people talk about snooker players and the power they've got in their shots. And when I was younger, I used to just believe that just meant how hard they were hitting the ball. But of course it's not. It's, you know, whilst putting backspin on or sidespin or whatever it may be, whilst getting the, the cue ball exactly where they want, but also with power. And I think that really kind of ties in with De Bruyne. There's a very rare um, number of footballers who can do what he does where he he, he just passes, but mm. with the power of a shot. Um, and by doing so, you know, you can get accuracy and, and it, it's it's on a plate for players. Um, it's purposeful, isn't it, as well? Yeah. And I think oh, yeah. that's, that's the thing. Is And I think it reminds me a little bit of how Yaya used to play. I mean, in terms of... I remember, I guess, a little bit towards the end of his career at City, but he was our. Even when he was waning a little bit, he was just our best passer of the ball because he was so, you know, as you say, absolutely pings it into someone's feet or puts such pace on a cross that it just needs a touch or something. It's just, I guess, pure confidence in their in their ability. And he goes for areas as well. I mean, occasionally, you, you obviously he'll look up, he'll see someone, he'll plant it on the on the head, but so often he'll just go for areas and. He is, it's an obvious thing to say, um, but he is very much someone who kids coming through, they should be watching because, you know, the lessons they can learn from this man are, are just, you know, will last them a lifetime. Um, do we think Do we think he'll on. get that that assist record this season? I, I can't remember what it is, but isn't Fabregas some, some way, you're talking about the, the overall assist record? No, the, the I think Ben referred to it before. Oh, sorry, 20, yes. Yeah, 20 yeah. in a Premier League season. I think he's got 19 before. 
Or did he get yeah. 20? I think he, he, he leveled on Rig, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, he did, yeah. So he's got seven more to get, basically, in the last 10 games. Uh, that's possible. Absolutely. He could get a hat-trick of assists on Saturday. It's, the, pro- the problem, though, is that like if we get to if we get past, say, Bayern, fingers crossed, there's probably a chance that he like sits out of one or two games in the run-in if, if, we're, if we're playing in the Champions League because he mm. might be arrested or something. But it'd be, I'd like to see him get it because I think... I think it was a disgrace when he didn't the year three years ago where there's that pass across the box at the Emirates which wasn't given to him yeah. and that would have given him the Oh yes, yeah, yeah. And we were all yeah. I was quite pissed off about that at the time. Um I think he was too, wasn't he? <laughs> I think he probably was. Right. <laughs> Let so, me yeah. talk. <laughs> yeah. I mean yeah. you look at Haaland as well and the same applies to him, you know, the the, the record breaking that is, you know, ahead of him. And yet there will be games where he'll drop out, he'll be rested from now until May. Um and that might impact upon, you know, how many goals he scores and you know, beats Dixie Dean's record and all those ridiculous numbers that he's, he's accruing right now. Um, there's another player I want to talk about before we move on, and that's Sir Jackie Grealish. Um, Laura, we talked about him on, on the pod last week, um, me and Tom, and the main thing that came out of it was just how pleased we were that he has come to the fore and he's become so important and, and it is you know, his performances are so good right now um, because you look at last season and there was a doubt whether this would be the case and he's such a likeable guy. Um, is that the same for you? Are, you? are you just really pleased to see him play such an important role right now? Yeah, I think you just feel happy for him. Um, I think we're finally seeing like the player that we bought. Yeah. Um, he's been consistent now for so long and I think last season when we bought him, everybody knows that he's not a £100 million player. Jack knows that. Everybody knows that, but he he was worth that to Aston Villa. So he obviously came to us and he had that big price tag looming over his head. Um, he got a lot of stick from the media, even a lot of City fans last season. I still see them now saying stuff about him, you know, we'd rather have a quick, tricky winger. Jack stopped us from buying one and stuff like that. But I just think the stuff that he does, you know, we can put the stats to a side for a minute, but the way he draws fouls, the way he holds the ball, he keeps us in possession, he calms the game down. Um, it's just incredible. And I feel like this season, quietly now, just he's gone under the radar a little bit to start with until he's been getting the stats in the big games. But quietly, he's been stepping up his game and stepping it up. And I think he's probably the, I'm going to say the only player, one of the only players then in, in our side, um, that this season has consistently given us seven out of tens week in, week out. You know, we've seen even mm. Harlan's form dip a bit. We've seen Kevin's form dip. Um, we've had defensive issues and stuff like that. But Jack's kind of always been there. Um, he's filled the boots of Ferdinand, um and he's done really well with that. And as for stats now, he's obviously he's scored and assisted against Liverpool, assisted against Chelsea, scored against Arsenal. The United game, again, that, that slips under the radar as well, because actually, yes, there was a poor refereeing decision, but had that not happened, he'd come off the bench and scored potentially a winning goal in the mm, derby. Yeah, that's That's one of the biggest moments of the season. But unfortunately for us, you know, a, a poor ref, refereeing decision kind of took that away from him a little bit. But he's a big game player and he's he's stepping up consistently when we need it. And I, I absolutely love him. Like, I, I really do. I really, really rate him. And I felt really bad for him last season. So I'm glad now that kind of everybody's kind of seen what we've maybe been seeing for a little bit longer. Yeah, because the thing that struck with, with me with, with Grealish last season I'm talking about was the potential legacy of him because... 
if it hadn't really worked out for him this season, if he was just kind of, you know, just ticked along and he was good in yeah. some games. And that's really how he'd be remembered, you know, as it's a yeah. £100 million flop. And, and I just did not want that. So it's more the avoidance of what could have been as much yeah. as, you know, who he is now, really. It's it's just a, a good news story all round, unless yeah. it, it continues at the weekend. Steve? Yeah? Can I ask you all a question about Grealish? Of course you can. So, I would like all of you to say, and I'm going to put you on the spot, where would you rank Grealish right now in City's Player of the Year conversation? So I want a number. <sighs> yeah, you can't look past Haaland. <laughs> you just can't. It's not, it's not possible to look past Haaland. If I, you I'm, take, not, I'm not saying you should, I'm just saying where would you put Grealish? Okay, well, if you take Haaland out of the equation, then Grealish has to be up there with... Um, Mares, Rodri. I personally would go for Mar. Sorry, yeah, Harland, Rodri, Grealish would be my top three. Um, over to you, Ben. I would say uh, Harland, Rodri, Ake, and then Grealish yes, yeah, at, the, good, at the moment. Yeah, yeah. But if but if Grealish finishes stronger, maybe he could he could move up. I just don't rate defenders. Laura, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about you for player of the season? Yeah, I feel like he's in that top three or four bracket for me. Obviously, you can't you can't look past Haaland. Um, but I feel like he's been our best attacking player. I feel like, obviously, Maris has been excellent and stuff like that. I mean, he played out of his skin at the weekend against Liverpool, but I think Grealish has been more consistent. So for me, it's obviously Haaland, Grealish, Ake's got to be in there, Rodri, and then maybe he's a fifth if he carries on playing how he is, John Stones as well. Mm. Um yeah. Lloyd, you're not avoiding this. You're not getting out of this. <laughs> nice. No, I, well, I, I tweeted it a few weeks ago, so it's public knowledge. But um, yeah, I think he's probably, for me, he's probably fourth, I would say, on the cusp of the top three. I think mm. I think it's Haaland, Rodri, Ake, and then I think a bit of a gap. And then I had Grealish for fourth. Mm. But I thought, I think that was prior to the Liverpool performance. So maybe slightly smaller gap. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, what, what kind of comes out of that for me is the fact that two of those four play on the left. So, um, you know, mm. and it may well be kind of mutually beneficial, really, where one is helping the other out with Grealish and Ake. Well, the conversation about Grealish needs a, a proper left-back to unlock him, that's definitely disappeared. Yes, absolutely. And I was one of them saying that. I, I, I really believed that. But then, yeah, it, that's down to um, the performances Poor of Sergio Ake. Poor Sergio Steve, you ended him. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, there's also there's arguments that you know the the Cancelo thing has, has obviously benefited him and obviously Ake anyway mm. hasn't it? You know, I've seen a few bits saying that you know mm, he's got that bit more space now, whether it's you know to go outside or inside. He does that thing really well, doesn't he? Where he comes inside usually, as Laura said earlier, drags a couple of players with him, runs like a third way across the pitch, and then switches it out to to Mares. And he sort of he did that quite a few times against Liverpool, and I sort of thought if Cancelo was playing, that was his simple you know get out of jail pass to mm. Cancelo, wasn't it? He used to yeah. do, and of course, you know that was held against him because he was going too safe. So I think they both benefited from uh, from Cancelo not being around as well for that point of view. Yeah, I mean, I'm tempted to say that a lot of it was on Jack last season. He did, as you described it there, Ben. He, he took the you know, safe safe route out, um, but then you think you know. 
I've never been signed for £100 million. <laughs> I've never had like a nation's kind of gaze on me every week and assessing every single touch of the football that I have. So I'm not going to judge him in that regard. You know, Maybe it just needed a year, not only to assimilate himself into this Pep Guardiola side, but just to get used to being you know, a £100 million player, in, in the words of the tabloids. Um, okay, let's extend our gaze now on the game itself. Um, City lost at St Mary's in the League Cup drew their last season um, against the odds. It feels like this is a fixture where we regularly come a cropper, but the stats tell us otherwise. Lloyd, how are you expecting this game to play out? Mm, I think... Is it our three recent results we haven't won? I think, Mm. did we draw both games in the league last season? At their place, but um, yeah, we thrashed them at ours during this season. Did we? Yeah. Um... What last season or this season? Uh, this season we won four 0 yeah, 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 yeah. I think we drew. I think we drew against them at home last season. You know, mm, I, I can't. My memory is awful. Anyway, um, I think so. For me, I'm glad that Hassan Hüttel's gone because I think he definitely had something against Pep where he could set up a team against us and particularly go for the really high press. And sometimes they 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 did us, and obviously. Um, the League Cup was bad um, hmm. I thought last season the game where Kyle Walker-Peters scored that worldie um, at, at their place I, I thought they played really well in that game as well so I'm, I'm glad he's gone um, I've got a mate who's a Southampton fan who say they play a little bit more um, they sit off a little bit more under sellers which I think is probably a good thing for us um, how do I see it playing out? I mean Look, if you asked any other fan of a top six team what they expect this weekend, I think they would say 4-0. Mm. So I think we should bear that in mind. Um, I, I mean, hopefully it should be quite a comfortable game. They are bottom of the league. I think they're everyone's nailed pick to go down. Mm. They've not been playing very well recently. Um, again, speaking to Oli, my mate, Lavia is there genuinely their player of the season where they're at right now and I think the other problem is that they just don't have a regular goal scorer so Che Adams is probably their guy they go to but he's been a bit in and out recently they bought Armstrong um, well both Armstrongs they've played Sekumara who I think scored against us in the League Cup he's been a bit in and out so I think look if we were being quite analytical about it I think you, you would expect quite a comfortable City win Um but we have had a, a little bit of a struggle in recent times against them. No, I feel that's fair. I think you've been quite generous to some of their players, to be honest. I mean, Armstrong was scoring for fun in the Championship. Okay, it hasn't worked out for him in the Premier League. And okay, he does put in the legwork. He, he always kind of puts in a 10 out of 10 in terms of work ethic. But he's been piss poor, hasn't he, in front of the goal. Um, and Jay Adams, was it three goals all season? Um, so it's a terrible return from their their front three, actually. Um, they're so reliant on Ward-Prowse for goals, um, which yeah. is, is not great. I mean, you've said that they're a nailed-on pick for everyone to go down. Ben, is that the same for you? Are you anticipating Southampton to drop? It's so hard to call, isn't it? I mean, I think they're six points off, like, 13th place or something. Mm. Um, so, I mean... It looks like it at the moment, but it could it could change really quickly. I think they've got Bournemouth coming up, haven't they? I think, and I think they've got they've got Arsenal, so a couple of big games there. Um, but yeah, I think 
it's it's one of those where if you look at it on paper, you know, they're they're bottom of the league. We we totally should win this. And it's, you know, one of those if if we're gonna, you know, if we're gonna have a, a, a true title challenge and, you know, go and continue this run, etc., we we really should win this. And, you know, to, to coin Lloyd's phrase, it this is another must win, and they are all totally must wins from uh, from this point on, really. Um so yeah, so to answer your question. I think they probably will go down just because they're that little bit more adrift than uh, than usual. But you know, it's it's so crazy this season. The, the relegation zone. Nor- normally, when we're at this point of the season, aren't we? We're normally thinking, well, the team that's bottom are probably gone. Um, so, and I don't think quite yet. Maybe in a couple of weeks, um, you'd say that about them just yet. So, um, so yes, yeah, so we'll, we'll see. I'm going to read out a stat now, and as always, please, everyone, I do, I do not have the power to jinx anything. <laughs> if I did, mm-hmm. I would I would use this superpower for for mainly for evil. But you know, I, I really would use it elsewhere. I whatever I say now, this this stat exists, whether I say it or not. So it has no bearing on Saturday's result. But City have never lost to a team bottom of a league under Pep Guardiola. Indeed, it goes far beyond that. They haven't conceded a goal to a side on the bottom of a league um, in the last 14 matches. The last time a team bottom of a league scored against City, right? Connor Wickham for Sunderland in April 2014. That yeah. when we drew, wasn't it? When we yeah, draw that as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we drew that, that and then won the league after. That, that, I mean, it's an incredible stat. Um, before we get to um, our interview with a Southampton fan, Laura, like last week, City play first with Arsenal to follow. Do you prefer it this way or would you rather play after the Gunners? No, I absolutely prefer playing first um, because I think regardless of our outcome, it increases the pressure on Arsenal because even if we drop points, for them there's that pressure of we've now got to go and take advantage of that. This is our chance. You know, we can't let it slip sort of thing. Mm. Um, I think I think it was the start of February. I think did Arsenal lose to Everton? Um, on the Saturday and then maybe I think we we it could have been Spurs I think we played Spurs on the Sunday or something like that um, and Arsenal lost they lost to Everton 1-0 and instantly I felt more pressure because I was like this is it and maybe it's different for us uh, because obviously we're second we're kind of chasing them but yeah I think regardless of what we do Arsenal must feel a little bit more pressure um, and obviously if, if we win at Southampton and if it's a comfortable win as well they then know that 24 hours time they've got to go to Anfield and they need to they need to win you know to keep that gap so yeah I I absolutely prefer playing first I think it just gives us a chance to focus on our own game rather than worrying about what they've got up to and stuff like that Fair enough I think I'm very much with you on that one Um, Okay on Wednesday Howard spoke to Greg a Southampton uh, fan about all things Saints so let's hear things from the um, home side's perspective I'm delighted to be joined by Southampton fan Greg Uh, Good afternoon Greg how are you doing? And thanks for taking the time out to speak to us as well. Hey Howard, yeah, I'm good, thank you. Thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, uh, we spoke earlier in the season, it was about a good six months ago that we, we played each other, though yeah, we have actually played since, and I'm sure we'll get to that as well, uh, outside the league. But uh, I put in, uh, in the notes, current mood, not good, I assume, question mark. Is that a fair way to summarise uh Supporting Southampton at the moment, yeah, probably, <laughs> probably a bit of an understatement, really. I think it's uh, very doom and gloom at the moment. It's, um, I think, most fans are um, 
kind of accepted that we're going to get relegated. Um, despite how close to the bottom half of the league is, we just mm. we can't beat our relegation rivals. We've lost like one nil to West Ham, Leeds, Forest, Wolves, um, and not just losing, but we never look like scoring in any of those games. And if you can't beat your relegation rivals, then it's a tough ask, really. And also, with the games coming up, we've got also you guys Saturday. We've also got Brighton. We've got Arsenal. Um, and, you know, typically if a team avoids relegation, they have probably a good home record. Yeah. We we don't have any form home or away, so it, so it doesn't bode well, really. Well, uh, yeah, those... Those teams you mentioned that you've lost to, were they mostly away or was it a mixture of home and away? Um, the Forest was home 1-0. We lost and then West Ham, Leeds and um, Wolves were away. But we also lost at Wolves at home. Um, and we drew with Leeds at home and drew West Ham home. So we haven't actually beaten those teams at all. Because hmm. I looked at your recent results and like, and they were, they were okay. As such, you know, the comeback against Spurs, but hey, that's Spurs, isn't it? <laughs> They'll always give you a chance, maybe. Of course, yeah. you've got a point at Old Trafford. Maybe that doesn't count. You beat Leicester, uh, but they're struggling. So they're not terrible results as such, but of course, in your position, currently bottom, okay results just isn't enough right now, is it? You need to really find some proper form. Yeah, I mean, really, I mean, realistically, we're going to need four or five wins um, mm. from somewhere. But the, the ingredients is just not there. We're, we're easy to defend against. Um, you know, we're, we've got a keeper who's got the worst save percentage in the league. I mean, when we spoke before, you asked me about how Bazuna was doing. I mm. thought he was average, but he's he's gone so downhill since then. He's, he's terrible. Um, but he's still number one. He's still number one. But then, you know, you've got Alex McCarthy and... Um, uh, Willie Caballero, whatever his name is, um, who's like 41 years old. So um, he hasn't got stiff well, competition, yeah. to be fair to him. But yeah, he's um, he's got the lowest win, um, save percentage at 55%. So um, you might think, well, he has a lot to do. But actually, we're Saints are fifth best in terms of how many shots have been faced on target. So actually, he's not... Um, being overly wet but I just think to some of the goals he's let in and um, like the classic example against West Ham um, on Sunday the header was near the edge of the penalty box and he was mm. beaten from there it's just he just doesn't save a lot um, although saying that he had a good game against you guys in the cup in the, in the Carabao Cup uh, and then um, at Old Trafford as well he made a couple of really good saves but other than that very disappointing uh, yeah, the West Ham game, I had it on. Uh, I'll be honest, I didn't, you know, wasn't fixated on the screen. Uh, on Sunday. <laughs> no, not because it's Southampton. It's just so it was a bad game. It was uh, yeah, it wasn't the best. But to be honest, uh, that's just how I consume a lot of football now. <laughs> I think there's just sometimes too much football on the TV. I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong, it was still better than Chelsea Liverpool last night. So <laughs> could be worse. But that did that performance kind of sum up Southampton right now? It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't enough, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. So um we I mean the, the game itself was very even. It was a um I didn't go to the game and I didn't watch it unfortunately, but I heard that the atmosphere was terrible. It was like a really flat atmosphere from all sides of the ground and and the game was played in that sort of way and it was a 
And we, we sat out, and I mean, the way he um, sat us um, lying us up, it was obviously the key to the play. The key was not to concede and then bring on our more attack minded players in the second half. But as soon as we concede, we're never going to get back in the, in the game because we're not brave enough on the ball. And ultimately, the negative lineup got what we deserved, really, and that was nothing. So. Um, you know, when you're playing against a fellow rele- relegation rival, in that case West Ham, yeah. you've got to take the game to them. Mm. If you're playing negative, then, you know, you don't deserve to get anything, in my opinion. That's just, before I talk about Salas, that's just, uh, Nathan Jones era. Uh, interesting, to say the least. For you, did it feel doomed from the start, or do you feel he was hard done by? It, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously there was a lot of raised eyebrows with the appointment. I mean, a, a lot of fans were prepared to give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, but obviously when you look on paper, um, from a fan's point of view, you think, wow, what's this guy done to get a, uh, a Premier League job, you know? And, um, but then that was half the problem that the club looked at the, the, the stats and he like, at his time at Luton and stuff like that. But um, they were just, it, it, you know, you, you can look at the stats, but until, but you've got to know what the, the manager's going to bring and are the players going to take to him. And mm. unfortunately, the guy was an absolute narcissist and head case. I mean, <laughs> you if think? You, <laughs> if you, I mean, if you, I mean, saw his like, um, interviews and yes, I certainly did. Yeah, that, that's where the eyebrows were raised, Ancelotti style. That's for sure. Yeah, he, um, yeah, I mean, just effectively threw everyone else under the bus, um, never took responsibility, alienated himself against the fans pretty much from day one. Um, we, I mean, he had digs at Ralph Hassan to it all and how he managed, he um, had digs at the players and um. Yeah, and, but ultimately it was the style of football. Though it was just awful. I mean, it was just hoofball um, all the time, and it was aimless as well. If you're going to go direct, at least have a purpose and a plan with it. But it was just literally defenders, long diagonal balls, hope, hope, from, hoping it will um, reach one of our players. Um, I mean, I mentioned about the loss to Nottingham Forest. Mm early in the season at home, 1-0. I mean, that was one of the worst games in Premier League history in general. I mean, Forrest were just as bad. We we had no shots on target. They had one and they scored from it. And But the performance was, it was shocking, absolutely shocking. And um, yeah, the guy was just, yeah, not, yeah. He, you know, you can have a, a guy that doesn't, um, you know, manage a struggling, but if he, um, warms himself to the fans and the players. You can sort of work with that for for some time, but pretty much from day one, he just alienated himself. So we're on manager number three now, Ruben Sellers. Mm. Hope I said that right in charge of the season. Yeah. And how did you feel about that appointment at the time? Because of course he's been there. He was there under Hasenhutter, was he not? He stayed mm, yeah. there, and now he's got the gig. <laughs> With very much, not much of a CV, of course, as a manager. Uh, were you happy that he got it to the season end? Or have you changed your opinion since at all? With I think happy, since the, then, yeah. happy in the respect that Jones eventually got sacked, but yeah. ultimately it was too late. I mean, we spent £60 million in January, which was only second to Chelsea. Um, we spent um, 
mean, our owners have spent 140 million since last summer. So it's not the the problem's not been investment; it's the decision making. Mm. Um, and obviously, when he got sacked after the, the transfer window, the by then it was too late, and no one's going to want to come in and have a relegation on their CV or a likely relegation on the CV. So, Celes was the next best option, and. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we've had a few decent results under him, but ultimately it's not enough. And I mean, you think back to the defeat to Leeds and then West Ham Sunday, they were both equally as poor in terms of negative lineup, not brave on the ball, no ambition to really attack. Um, but these are, it's not like these are Arsenal's and, um, you know, um, Man City's. These are other teams that are struggling and we're not imposing ourselves on these games and, and that's the problem where you know we're, it's almost like we're waiting for them to make a mistake and then capitalize on it and then try and but also not concede ourselves which given how many clean sheets we've had this season that's just a, a tall order really so I mean, it's clear management's been an issue then in your results and performances so taking managers away and just looking at that squad do you see the potential in it in that squad to for it to actually be much higher up the table or do you think the squad itself is weak as well as the problems you've had with management? I think, I mean, I was reasonably happy with the summer transfer window, but the glaring omission was a striker. Yeah. You know, our, our lack of goals has been going on since February last in 2022. Um, so it wasn't uh, like a, a surprise that we're not scoring this season. This has been well ingrained in the team for a long time, and they they left it too late to get a strike in the window um, and failed to get him. And obviously, that's just carried on. We don't score enough goals. Um, I think we've we've slightly got um, got better defensively since Celes has come in, but I, you could argue that's probably at the expense of our attacking but then saying that we never scored under I don't I think we had under Jones we had only scored one or two goals in open play um and it wasn't that much better under Ralph either so yeah it's but when I I look at the players and there are some good players but there are some very very mediocre players um that should wouldn't be nowhere near any other Premier League team um you know um Elenusi is a is a clear one, very unpopular with the fans. Yet yeah, he plays every week, um, so he's a good one. The strikers, Theo Walcott's done a right recently, but he's thirty four. He's not going to um, offer that much. And then we've got the young lad Mara up front because um, Adams is injured, and he's he's very raw and um, come from France. He's only young as well, so not ideal. What is the injury situation right now? Are you, have you got a mostly fully fit squad or mm, no? As well? Yeah, so um, defenders Salasu and Kochop are injured. Um, Kochop's definitely out for Sunday, Saturday. Salasu probably, which means we'll have um, Harland if he's fit. We'll enjoy Jan Bednarik and um, Celeste Carr. So. Um, no problem there for him because um, they're terrible. Um, yeah, we got um, oh yeah, Che Adam, Adams is got injured for playing for Scotland, um, so he's doubtful as well. So um, yeah, that, um, the um, Larios, who obviously we signed from you guys in summer, he's out for the rest of the season. He's barely played anyway. So um, yeah, so yeah, not ideal, but I'd 
to be fair, I think we could have a full strength team and it wouldn't make a difference. <laughs> well, we'll get to that in a sec. Yeah. <laughs> we might be coming at that from slightly different angles. Uh, so after City, though, just before we talk about the match this weekend, of course, you've got Palace and Bournemouth at home. So I guess they become key games, don't they? Being at home. <laughs> That's your chance to get yourself off the bottom of the table. As well. Yeah, I think six points is a minimum requirement. If we, if we don't get six points, I think it's pretty much um, game over. If it, you, you know, we've if you think you got we got City, Brighton, and Arsenal as well to play. We got Liverpool, which you know, I, I mean, they're they're on a poor season, but they're still a good team. So it's um, yeah. Those are the games. I'm, I'm going to the Palace game on the 15th. I'm taking my three lads with me, so I'm really hoping there's <laughs> there's a positive um, yeah. outcome on that one. Uh, so, this uh, Saturday, you a fan of 5.30 kickoffs? <laughs> I'm not a fan of any kickoff. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> but uh, I feel for you guys, I'll ask it. That's a wretched um, time, and no doubt there's uh, the trains won't be uh, running to but, schedule either. Yeah, well, they don't run at any time, do they? No. So I don't think the kickoff time really matters anymore. But no, I mean, it's just we've been having a discussion on podcasts recently. We hate the I hate the half twelve kickoffs. Uh, mm. Much prefer the. I mean, three o'clock is a still a perfect time to play on a Saturday afternoon. But if you're going to be in the telly, I much prefer late in the afternoon and uh, the the lunchtime kickoff. To be yeah. Honest. <laughs> and I guess the atmosphere is better as well as the uh, as the light fades. So yeah, you think <laughs> reading between the lines, you think we've got no chance here. You talked about Nathan Jones how his tactics was just lump it up, and yet we meet in the cup. And I know it's the cup; it's different in a way. You don't know the attitude of the players and whatnot, and you turn into world beaters against us. We've struggled at your ground. Does history give you? Any optimism that you can actually pull a result out uh, this weekend against City? Sure, that that win or performance against City in the Cup was just weird in respect that how we played that day was totally opposite to every other game we played under Jones. Like it was actually pretty good football. It was positive. Mm. Um, yes, it was a cup game, so it was a one-off, but it it, it gave us a very um, almost. I don't know, a little bit of hope that Jones could actually apply that to the league games. And it it just they he just reverted or defaulted back to hoofball. It, it was strange. And um I can't understand why you would play it away that was so effective and obviously the players would have enjoyed playing to something that no one enjoys watching, no one enjoys playing, and it didn't get any results. So um but I think I mean, that that's how we're going to have to play uh, Saturday to have any chance. You know, it's pressing, and um, but it's, good, it's effective pressing as well. And, and what I mean by that, you have to be brave and you have to believe in it. If you don't, if you don't do it, like, obviously, you know, like watching City, they, they press in packs, they hunt in packs, and because they all believe in the system. But if you don't believe in it and only one of you does it, it just, the whole press just, falls apart and obviously the opposition can break the press and mm. City will obviously do that with ease. Um, so that's my worry is that, yes, we need to press, but if we don't press to the maximum, it's just, it's pointless. Well, how well are you doing that? I mean, traditionally, that is how you've always repeatedly posed problems to City. It's the legs, uh, the energy and a pressing midfield. 
has really caused problems for City. Do you do that as much as you used to, like a year, even a year ago or two years ago? No, I think probably the last 18 months, the, the press is, um, has been nowhere near as intense. Obviously, if you think at the height of Ralph's um, stint at Saints, you know, the, the mm. pressing was immense, like so intense. And probably during the, um, the COVID, when it was behind closed doors, that's when we were most effective with the press. Yeah. But it just never, it just sort of, um, lost its intensity over time and um, it's pretty half-hearted now to be fair uh, How do you think Southampton was set up then? Is it going to be just a deep block and looking to break on the counter <laughs> uh, Yeah I think I mean you would like to think Celeste will learn his lessons from playing such a negative lineup, but we don't seem to be learning any lessons so I think he'll go 4-2-2-2 two, two, two. Um, still and, and just and but won't hear play the likes of Elanusi again. You know these players that are deemed solid without the ball, but offer absolutely nothing with the ball. And um, yeah, so I think that's what um, will be the lineup. I would like to see Salamana um, play start. He came off the bench West Ham. He, was at, he gave us a little bit of spark. He we signed him in January, and he's our record transfer, but. Mm. Um, he does. He, he definitely offers something, but even he's not got a goal or even an assist yet. So he's obviously um, stat-wise, he hasn't contributed, but he does get fans semi off their seat. Um, the only other player we have in our squad that can do that is Adozi, which obviously you'll know a little bit about. Mm. Um, but that's a weird situation. So Celis is other than the Grimsby game in the cup which may explain it, but he's been banished from every league match squad since he's taken over. And he's been playing in the B team. And then in the last couple of weeks, not even been playing for the B team. So he's not getting any game time anywhere, which is really odd. But I actually like him as a player. He's actually effective ball carries, direct runs at the defenders. Yes, his final ball, final product is very raw still. Um, but again, he offers something with the ball, which we're not doing with any other player other than maybe Salamana. So for me, be brave playing both with Adam, looking the 4 3 3 with Adams up front, but he won't do it. <laughs> he would. Obviously, someone I do also know about is Romeo Lavia. Has he been the bright spot of in the team this season? Yeah, he is an, uh, a brilliant, he is a brilliant player. He's, he's so good with the ball and the strength and getting away and getting out of tight situations and stuff. Um, it's just a shame he's got 10 other very mediocre players around him. Um, fortunately for us, he, he will leave in the summer. Mm. Um, I mean, it'd be interesting because uh, City have a buyback that be, that's active in 2024, but there's no way he's going to stick around, even if we stay up. Yeah. So I know Chelsea and Liverpool are, uh, reported to be interesting. Liverpool's probably a um, an obvious one because their midfield's like not well, quite poor really, and he would definitely um, add to their midfield. So, yeah, you say uh, ten other <laughs> mediocre players. Is there no one else that's been consistent? Ward Prowse, uh, you have to expect consistency for him. Are there any other players that have been you know uh, bright sparks in a 
a struggling team and a disappointing <laughs> season. No, not really. I no. mean, there's been a lot of inconsistencies. I mean, you mentioned Walk Prowse, and then, I mean, if you look at his goals and stats and that, or is it he, you know, he does carry us, and obviously his free kicks are on yeah. a, another level. Uh, I'm going to be controversial here, and I would say he is very average from open play. He's, you know, yeah, he's got his free kicks and stuff like that. But, um, and interestingly, the, w- when he was most effective from open play this season was actually under Nathan Jones, when Jones played him in the number, number 10 role. Yeah. But Sellers plays him alongside Lavia in, or as like a sort of six role. Um, and it's just not as effective, but I, I will get a lot of, uh, sort of like pouters for that because in a lot of Saints fans eyes he's like God and you know and you know he's obviously contributed a lot with his free kicks and you know he scores obviously penalties and stuff like that but without the wearing the rose tinted glasses when you look at the open play contributions and stuff like that I, I think he's average if I'm being honest yeah. um, and that's probably why he doesn't get in the England squad yeah. so right well we finish. I'm sorry to ask you this, considering what you've said already with a score prediction, as always. Uh, what's your prediction for the score in this game? Uh, I can, can't see anything other than a City win. Um, and if they go full throttle, um, and they've also been playing very well lately, I'm going to go 4-0 City. Wow, you're going there. Uh... <laughs> much higher than me I still think with history you know every time we go to Southampton I think well it doesn't matter what happened last year uh, let's look at it now we should win this game come to me and then we don't and we struggle you know and maybe using cup games is not a perfect example but I still think it, it could cause us problems despite what's gone before and I don't think your results are that bad that you're just there to be absolutely ripped apart Uh yeah, we've absolutely piled the goals on at home recently, but I do think going away is just a different proposition. I think it'll be a, a tighter 2 0 win, uh, but as always, I'd take any win. Bizarrely, <laughs> Greg, your, your despondency has actually made me more nervous for the game on Saturday <laughs> evening now. That's just the weird way my brain is wired. So. <laughs> I think I was like, kind of, we had that sort of similar conversation last time. I was like, yeah. I can't remember what I predicted, but it was kind of 4 5 0 or something like that. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it's easier earlier in the season, though, isn't it, to be despondent? It's when you get to this point, it's like yeah, you have yeah. to start picking up wins. So. And I really appreciate you taking the time out to speak to us when your team's struggling because we all want to talk about positives and, and rave about our team and talk less when it's not going so well. So, Greg, thank you very much for coming on and speaking. No, Rory, thank you for having me and um, enjoy Saturday, but not too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I say this to everyone, and I mean it after Saturday, all the best uh, with the rest of the season. And I hope you can pull off an escape and be playing Premier League football next season as well. So, yeah, all the best and good luck. So. Cool. Thanks, Howard. Cheers, yeah. then. Yeah, take care. And we will now return to the panel to preview Saturday evening's game. Well, thanks, Greg, for giving us your time. Um, not entirely overly optimistic there um, or expecting any kind of result. Uh, I'm inclined to agree. I, I, I'm actually going into this with a bit of confidence. Looking at the broader kind of um, picture, Lloyd, where are the causes for optimism right now for Blues and where are the, or, or indeed, are there any causes for pessimism? I think there's a lot to be optimistic about. Um I think one of the big problems, 
probably like six weeks ago when we were still this far away from Arsenal in terms of we were eight points behind. But I feel like we hadn't maybe had some of the performances is that a lot of our individual best players weren't in form, weren't playing that well. Um, you know, prior to kind of Diaz coming back into the team, prior to Ake kind of really locking down the the left back position. And I think prior to Pep giving, you know, De Bruyne a bit of the cold shoulder and dropping him at Palace, I think a few of our we were kind of getting by on the odd good performance from mainly Grealish and Mares, whereas now, you know, I think De Bruyne is playing well again. I think Diaz is playing imperiously. Stones is back fit. Obviously, whenever Stones is fit, he generally plays well. Um, Ake's just been a revelation. Rodri's, Rodri's been Mr. Consistent. And obviously, the, the front two that I mentioned have been, you know, probably since the World Cup, two of our best players in terms of consistency levels. I think particularly Grealish, Laura was absolutely bang on before. I think he's been very consistent in his level has has really not dropped below seven. So I think that is something to be very positive about. I also think Pep has shown a bit of tactical flexibility post-Cancelo, and I think it's worked because I think one of my big concerns about losing Cancelo was that he gave us a couple of options where where we could approach games slightly differently. Um, so, you know, not just have this 3-2 set up and kind of Cancelo could could change how we set up on the back line. He can he can play inside. He could also play outside, as we saw at Anfield, and it went terribly. Um, but, you know, it was an option. And I think Alvarez coming in, contributing like he has, I think that's been a big factor. But also Ake's kind of locked that back of a, le- back of a three um, on the left yeah. situation. So I think that's really positive. And I just think generally Pep's management, to be honest, I think has gone under the radar a little bit. I do think he's dragged us back into this season. I think the way that he kind of bollocks the players post Spurs, I think the way he kind of galvanised the supporters post the kind of Premier League charges, and I think the way he's just generally spoken since has really kind of put the fire under the players and the supporters. And I think there's a hell of a lot to be positive about. I think that the only negative really is that it's, it's, does, it's not really controlled by us. I think we've just got a, a really, really tall mountain now to climb on the Premier League side that I think there's every chance we could be pretty much perfect to the end of the season and we yeah. won't win it. Yeah. And I think that is actually a credit to Arsenal and that shows to win six post us beating them in a row in the league, I think is really impressive. That The wobble was you know against Villa or against Bournemouth and they somehow, you know, Call it a fluke, call it kind of persistence. They got the wins in both those games, and they they've now put themselves in a very strong position where you know they can lose effectively one, draw a couple maybe, and probably still be ahead of us, particularly if they get a result at the Etihad. So that's probably the the thing to be negative about. But that's kind of out of our control. All we can do, and it's boring James Milner kind of vibes. All we can do is kind of just <laughs> focus on ourselves, win, and then kind of put the pressure back on them um so a lot to be positive about and i think most blues will feel very differently to where they did kind of january time post world cup lovely stuff well submitted to um okay let's move on and end really uh, as regards to the southampton um game with a score prediction ben your score prediction uh i'm gonna go two nil city i think we'll we'll have most of the ball on this one uh and i think we'll do a professional job uh, yes, a 2-0 from me. 
Okay, Laura? I've also gone 2-0. Okay, well, I've, I've gone for 3-1, so there's three so far with a two-goal advantage. Um, Lloyd? I think we could we could run up a, a decent number. 4-0? I, I'm going to go 3-0, but I, th- I could see a 4. Um, and then one little thing for listeners is uh, Howard and I have devised a... Uh, we're going to be doing a little... Uh, must win sweepstake on all Friday shows from now <laughs> to the end of the season where I'm just going to interview him for 30 seconds to a minute uh, and just put it on every pod and ask him whether it's a must win he'll so just say no every time that's a, well, a pointless endeavour he'll say no every time I don't know I don't know he'll get to the final TBC, game of the season see. oh TBC. yeah <laughs> um Obviously, it's not just Southampton this weekend. There are, the games are coming thick and fast now, and every, each and every one of them are incredibly meaningful. Um, so we have really got a challenge in April coming up ahead. Um, ben, I, I kind of include in the agenda, you know, our, our fixture list for April. Um, seven games. Uh, what is it? Two, but obviously, a two-legged Champions League quarter-final, FA Cup semi-final, uh, and four league games. How do you feel about the squad? I mean, we've already touched, and, and Lloyd kind of summed it up perfectly there, how well the squad's doing in terms of form. But in terms of numbers, do we have the numbers to take on this amount of games? I think, obviously, Foden aside, and hopefully Harlem comes back, I think, and Pep has said this, hasn't he, that, you know, with regard to the, the physios and all that sort of stuff, I think we're in pretty good shape to be in this position in the season coming into the home straight and only like, you know, as I say, Foden, which is the only sort of major injury at the moment. Um, and I think in terms of the the fixtures, and of course it, it does look sort of daunting at the start of April to see what's what's remaining. But, you know, this is this is what happens. And, you know, we're, mm. we're pretty used to this now. You know, we always have this, what's going to happen in the semi-final, whether we, we have a rotated team, you know, games every three or four days. It's pretty typical. It does look scary and, as I say, daunting on paper. But, you know, we've, we've been used to this. Um, you know, we're, again, to quote like a pepism, you know, with, it's it's great that we're here and we're, we're happy to be in this position where you've got these challenges each day. So I think this this is what it's all about. This is what, it's, you know, it's it's like being a being a top team. We're involved in every all, all of those competitions um, and, you know, and stand a, a good chance in all of them. I think when you look at them now, obviously Bayern's the, the the hardest game there, you know, and obviously Arsenal as well. But maybe my confidence is is growing a bit as as our form does. But you sort of start looking at them now, and you sort of think, yeah, I could see us getting through this now. Um, you know, with potentially you know winning winning all of those games. So I think I think we're probably the the only slight concern, I guess, is we're probably a little bit thinner than we have been um, yeah, in definitely. previous seasons. But with that in mind, you know, if you compare, I haven't got it in front of me, but, you know, the the team that we put out for the semi-final last season was a lot weaker than I think we're even able to put out this season. Um, Mm. You know, I think, maybe you know, the likes of Ortega and Rico Lewis, maybe Cole Palmer, although I I don't really see it. Those are the sort of players that might come in. But apart from that, it's a very, very strong team that's going to be playing in that semi-final. Um, So, again, that might benefit us as well. That's, that's an interesting take, that, and, and it's one I kind of, well, I agree with and not really considered, actually, that Pep might not be able to play such a weekend lineup this time in an FA Cup semi. Uh, Laura, when you look at these games, 
I just can't see it being, you know, kind of the same um, faces featuring in all. There will be at least one of these games where he plays four or five players, peripheral players. Is is it the FA Cup semi-final? Is that the obvious one for you? I think so. Potentially Leicester as well. Because when I consider it, I, I think about Rodri. And for me, Rodri, Rodri's backup is obviously Calvin Phillips. And Phillips hasn't had a lot of minutes, so whenever we've seen him, he's not been that sharp. So I think between now and the FA Cup semi-final and Leicester, if we go to two goals up, we need to be getting Phillips on. Even mm. if we keep Rodri on as well and kind of double pivot it for the last, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes. But we need Phillips to be kind of match sharp because if Rodri gets injured or something like that or even if we just need to rest him for a game, we need our rotation players to be ready. At the minute, I don't think they are. And that's kind of my, my only real concern. Um, and Phillips is the main one because, you know, I know, like, look at left-back Gomez, you'd say, is our rotation player. But actually, we, we can put Ake there, we can put Laporte there if need be, we can put Rico there. Um, that CDM role is the only one that concerns me because Rodri's played a lot of football um, mm. and I think it's it's a tough month. There's a lot of games. Phillips is going to have to come in at some point and we need him to be ready. So I think for me, in the meantime, it's just a case of making sure the likes of Phillips are ready to step in when needed. Yeah, it's interesting you say Leicester there because yeah, it's just jumping out at me. The fact that it's in between both buy-in games, um, yeah. you know, I'm not expecting you know a handful of, of kind of um, peripheral players, but certainly one or two, and, and Phillips maybe. Um, okay, let's see. I mean, obviously it's Pep. <laughs> Who knows? But we will see. Um, obviously, uh, the other big game this weekend, and the other big result we'll be looking out for will be Liverpool Arsenal. Um, Lloyd, do you think Liverpool might get something from this? Who the fuck knows, to be honest, <laughs> with them this season. no call for that. <laughs> um, I mean, look, I'm donning my, my, my scarf scarf this weekend, let's put it that way. Um, I feel very dirty cheering goals, but I think it's what we need. Um, well, I think Liverpool at home are a totally different proposition to Liverpool yeah, away this season. Um, Anfield is obviously a bit of a factor... I think being in front of their fans, you know, they can't get battered there. And there, look, there is a chance that Arsenal batter them. And I think that could be really damaging for Klopp because whilst they've obviously had a lot of shocking results away from home, they haven't really had one right in front of their own fans. And I'd be interested to see how kind of the, Anf- the Anfield supporter base reacted if they were to get slapped, you know, in front of, in, in front of their own. But... I, I think there's a good chance Liverpool turn up in this game. Um, they generally do um, in big games at Anfield. You know they've dropped a lot of clangers against the against the, the shite this season. Um, so Thiago's back as well, back in yeah. training. Which Sa- is big. Salah didn't train yesterday though. I saw that, but then I saw one of the big Liverpool can't say him and a couple of others are just being rested, right? Uh, like right, a okay. day off. I mean, fingers crossed. Um, because I, I think he's obviously the key player, really, hmm. from a City perspective of wanting to get something out of the game. But uh, yeah, I could. To be honest, I think if I had to, if I had to make a guess, I, I could see a draw because I think if the game gets to about seventy minutes and it's a draw, I think Arsenal will take that. Yeah, and I think Liverpool will be will be would be wary of probably losing the game. Even though they probably need to win after what's happened over the last few 
last few weeks. So it, it's a really it's a really hard one to call. Usually, I would be quite confident of a Liverpool win, but they're just all over the place at the moment. Um, that it's just it's just hard to it's hard to predict because if if Arsenal turn up and play well, they could they could smash them genuinely. But who, who the hell knows? That's why I use my expletive at the start. <laughs> um, ben, I've got a pop quiz for you. Um, Leandro Trossard could um, make history this weekend. How? Oh, score against every team in the league or something like that? No, he scored a hat-trick for Brighton earlier this season at Anfield. Yeah. And, and if he scores this weekend, he'll be the only player ever to score for two different clubs at Anfield in the same season. Which I'm surprised that's not happened before, but there you go. Um, the, the main question I want to ask you, though, is are Liverpool a spent force now um, under Jurgen Klopp? I mean, they, they surprised me last week, the, the man in which they gave up the ghost. Yeah, they, they really did surprise. Um, I think it, it's interesting. I've spoken, fortunately, where I live in Chester, you're never too far away from a Liverpool fan. So <laughs> got a few a few friends which are, which are Liverpool fans, but... Um, when I've spoke to any of them, you know, they're just desperate for this season to finish. And I think Klopp's sort of said similar things. And I said to, to to a friend the other day, I said, but it's all very well saying you're desperate for the season to finish, but you've got to get into Europe first. Mm. Um, so I think I, th- I think they have resigned themselves to you know, effectively to write off this season. Um, so I certainly think from this season's point of view, um, yeah, they are a spent force. Uh, I've got a nagging feeling that they they will come back next season, um, and I think you know the the board would never sack Klopp. So I think if he if he was to walk at any point, it'd totally be on his own terms. Um, but yeah, I mean the the lack of fight last week was was so surprising, and I don't even think it took it to until it was three one. To be honest, I thought it was two one. I thought they, yeah. they completely completely gave up, um, and yeah, they just looked to run out of ideas and, and run out of fight and, and heart and I was genuinely like surprised almost like it, it obviously wasn't an easy game but almost thinking you know well this is by the end of it it's always like all oh, right well, we got that out of the way quite easy it wasn't wasn't too tricky sort of thing um but yeah I, I think they'll they'll come back next season with regards to this game I think before this week uh I, I would have thought felt a bit better. Um, you know, obviously the the game against doors, and I didn't watch the Chelsea game, but from what I what I heard, they they didn't put up much of a fight. Um, but with regards to them, they this were really season, bad against Chelsea. Yeah, I, I have heard that, and I must admit, in terms of Arsenal's game and, and going on from what what was what Laura was saying earlier on about whether it's better for us to play first, I must admit I've been a bit of a wimp, and I almost like think, well, Arsenal are gonna win this game, so I'm not even gonna get my hopes up. Allowed to get my hopes up, I'll. I'll check out and then maybe check the score at the at the, uh, at the end. Whereas for the Liverpool match, um, when it's been coming up on the calendar, I have been thinking right. This if if Arsenal are going to drop points, surely this is an opportunity for them to do that. So I'll have uh, more of a vested interest in that one this weekend. Yeah, I mean they haven't won at Anfield in the league since 2012, but obviously this is a very different Arsenal side. Um, Laura, looking at things from a Gunners perspective. Since losing to City, they've accrued seven straight wins. They've scored three-plus goals in six of those seven games. I mean, it's hard not to begrudgingly admire that, right? Yeah, it's, it, of course, it's admirable. And if you're an Arsenal fan, you'd be over the moon. Um, 
they've bounced back really well and you have to do that if you want to win the Premier League you have to kind of overcome that sort of stuff um, but ultimately if you want to compete for the title that, that's what you need to be doing um, I think it'll be interesting to see how they fare against Liverpool maybe Newcastle, Brighton and City um, they've got quite a few big games coming up um, and at the minute they, they do seem to be putting three or more past other teams but they're all teams well a lot of them are that are in kind of the bottom half of the table um, so yeah it'll be interesting to see how it pans out yeah it, it is an interesting one because it's at Anfield I wouldn't give them a hope Liverpool if it was at um, North London but yeah let's go and see um, elsewhere this week there's been a spate oh yes a spate of managerial sackings um, kind of what each of your thoughts on this I, I've, I've kind of you know got individual questions in, in the agenda but really this is a free-for-all because it's been a free-for-all um, so I'll start with you Lloyd how have you kind of responded to it to Conte to Rogers, to Potter possibly David Moyes if they fail to win this weekend um, is, is there a logic in each of those instances do you think I think there's a lot to talk about for each actually Um I think the first point is how the hell has Moyes not been sacked? That's incredible. <laughs> yes. Um, 5-1 at home. It's a credit to West Ham that they're sticking by him because then you, you look at Chelsea and you can say, what's Frank Lampard going to do that Potter couldn't do? Well, the thing yeah. is, I actually, I actually respect it because I think it's the same... Um, it's kind of the same as how I feel about Forrest in that I think they've probably got a better chance of staying up if they just keep the manager rather yeah. than sacking him. Because there's been such a merry-go-round that, like, who's going to come in? <laughs> yeah. Loads of the managers have, have taken new jobs. Um, so, but but I think given what's happened this season and, like, the context of the league, when you lose 5-1 at home, you're almost expecting a team to sack the manager because you're like, oh, that's a terrible result. And there's already been 13 sackings, so what's 14? Um, <laughs> but on the, on the ones that have been sacked, Conte, fascinating just to watch that that meltdown um i can't remember what game it was after but the to do the to do the kind of the Southampton game yeah 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 to do the into the cameras and then to go and do the one with like the written press double down call the players selfish blame the board call the call the owner out i was just like this is absolute quality um i think he had to go I think your position's untenable after that, to be honest. I'm, yeah. And I was surprised he lasted as long as he did. And I, I would have thought he'd have been sacked the following day. Um, Conte just doesn't seem right this season. He's had a lot of personal stuff to deal with. I think that's probably affected him. Um, he's, I know he's been a, a very kind of hot-tempered, kind of unpredictable individual, but he's been moving in even slightly weird ways for him. Uh, I have no doubts he'll come back and probably be a very good manager for someone elsewhere to be honest. Um, the Spursiness of Spurs probably probably did get to him. <laughs> um, Potter, again, just... You could talk about Chelsea and Potter for genuinely an hour. Um, I think Bowley's exposed himself to be a complete amateur this week. But I think sacking Potter to, to not have a direct replacement set up to then end up going back to Frank Lampard... Uh, with the with the Madrid game ten days out from when you made that yes. decision, I just yeah. think that's absolutely terrible, terrible management. Obviously, it seems like Enrique and Nagelsmann are the front runners. They're both great options, and thankfully, I think what they've announced in that they 
by putting Lampard in and giving it time, I think that probably suggests that Nagelsmann is the front runner because Nagelsmann has said he wants a break before the summer, which is great news because I don't want them to get Enrique because I think that would be very dangerous for City. And he's probably someone I'd have, I'd have liked to take over from Pep when we do eventually get there. Uh, if it had to happen, you know, say today. Um, but I mean, the Potter experiment was just weird. It did feel, it did feel wrong kind of from the beginning. Um, I think part of that was because of Chelsea's kind of aura and that they, they, they sack managers quickly and it just, I don't know, it just didn't feel right, did it? Um, but I do feel a bit sorry for him. I think he, whilst he's obviously not fully succeeded there, and I think he's made a lot of mistakes, too many changes game to game, playing Reese James in a back three. It's just, there's been a lot of weird decisions. I think to manage there must be an absolute kind of mental asylum. Um, and I did read the athletic long read piece and there's just, there's a lot of stuff that you're just like, yeah, it sounds like, it sounds like genuinely tough to go and manage there. And I think for your first kind of big six job, um, really tough. He probably should have not taken that to be honest. And, um, I think there were a lot of people at the time saying, oh, maybe you should stick that one out. And then Rogers, I think that was just the end of the end of kind of an era for Rogers. He'd done an amazing job there. They probably should have got top four whilst he was there. Two top five finishes, won the FA Cup. Um, I think Fox's fans, Leicester fans will kind of look back on that in a few years very fondly. Uh, and I think that was probably time to move on. But Leicester probably should have made that decision a bit earlier because now they're fully in the shit. And they could go down. Um, they need a new manager. Who they're going to get could be big problem. They've got the seventh biggest wage bill in the Prem, slightly. So if they were to go down, they'd be in big trouble. Mm. Wrong yeah. answer. Sorry. No, no. Well, so mate, it's um, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, ben, uh, Laura, do you have anything to add to that? I think the only thing with all of them for like Lloyd's covered it really well, but for different reasons, um, I was. Quite surprised. Basically, they they could all have got the sack a month earlier, couldn't they? Sort of thing. You know, Rogers has had sticky patches throughout the season. Everyone was talking about will will uh, Chelsea stick with with Potter? Um, and and yeah, Conte obviously came out all all barrels the other week. But you know, he's been you know had problems with the fans and stuff all season. So I think that was the only shock. Um, you know, is that for some of them it took so long. But yeah, I think. Lloyd pretty much covered, covered everything else with that answer, so yeah. Well, Laura, I'll come at it from a, a slightly different tack. Should David Moyes leave West Ham, then you would have to put Graham Potter in the frame there for West Ham. It seems like such a good fit. Um, by all accounts, um, Spurs have four leading candidates, of which one is Brendan Rodgers. It just kind of brings it home to me that a lot of times, it's not down to the, the manager itself, it's just whether they're a good fit for that club. Is that fair to, to say? Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I feel like there's definitely certain clubs um, that Potter would be suited to. Um, Leicester could be one as well, um, mm. as well as West Ham. But in, in terms of Moyes, it's a massive gamble because I feel like he is a manager, um, whereas maybe Potter isn't, but he's he's got wealths of experience. Um, so from West Ham's point of view, it would be a gamble to let him go, I think, because um, he has got all that experience behind him. But it seems to be what everybody's kind of doing. It's almost like with a trends farming. Mm. Um, I was at the pub quiz the other night and one of the questions was which Premier League managers just left the club and it was like, well... <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not even joking when I say it. I, I didn't even know Conte had gone. I didn't even know. And that might be really bad. 
maybe because it was so obvious and it was always going to come. Yeah. Um, but they read out Tottenham as the answer. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I kind of found out Conte had gone. But yeah, it's it's all a bit of a madness down there. Um, and the way it's kind of gone, it does kind of lean towards Moyes going next. But if he's going to go, he needs to go now. Um, I think the way that it's all kind of been left so late is, is crazy. Chelsea, I feel like if they're going to sack Potter, you could tell it wasn't going to work weeks ago. Um, but I feel like Potter sacking, for example, I feel that the replacement's more of a shock than the sacking yeah. with Lampard. But yeah, yeah, it's it's all a madness. And I feel like you might see, you could even see Potter at Leicester, then it could go to Rogers at West Ham. You just don't know. It's it's a madness down there. But yeah. With um, Lampard, when watching the Chelsea-Liverpool game, and it kept on cutting to him in, in his box, kind of watching the game. And, and I, I said, saw that as well. But I said it as a joke, though, Lloyd. I said, oh, they'll pro- <laughs> probably bring him back. And then they go and do that. It's Football's crazy. Do you know what's crazy. been... What's been well, what I found really funny is, obviously, there are a few journalists that are re- obviously really close to Todd Bowley in terms mm. of they've got a good contact there. Matt Law's the obvious one at The Telegraph. Um, I think... Liam Twomey, who's the Chelsea guy at the Athletic, I found it really funny to over the last twenty four hours to see. I've already seen three pieces. Why Lampard to Chelsea returning makes sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No lads, it doesn't make it, sense. Yeah. it's fucking mental. <laughs> what client, are you doing? Client journalism at its best. Yeah, I, I, I genuinely think they have a better chance of being Madrid with Potter as their manager yeah. than they do. I agree. With I completely agree with that. That is yeah. it. What are they doing? Um, before we go, um, I was going to do score predictions, but it's two minutes to get through. So there's just two games, and I just want your score predictions. So um, we'll do it in order of Lloyd, Ben, Laura, United, Everton. Lloyd? Oh, I'm doing a City and going first. Um, <laughs> is it at United? It is. Oh, that's definitely a win. I'm going to go 2 0. I'm going for 2 0 as well. Ben? Uh, one one draw. Okay. Nice, Laura. <laughs> Early kick off. I've gone one one draw. Lovely stuff. And we didn't get around to doing Liverpool Arsenal. Um, oh God, I'm I'm going two one Arsenal, Lloyd. Oh God, I think if Arsenal do win, I think it's a big problem for us. Oh yeah. Um, because I think Ben's right. It's 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 the game I've been looking at for for weeks being like this is the one where they, if they're going to drop points it's got to be this one great that Liverpool are in such good form <laughs> um, oh, I, I can genuinely see like a like a 1-1 or a 2-2 so I'm going to I'm going to go for a draw I'll take that Ben uh, I'm going to be optimistic for once I'm going to go 2-1 Liverpool good lovely um, Laura I've gone 2-2. Two, two. Arsenal can leak goals. Bournemouth put two past them. So, yeah, I've gone 2-2. Two, two. Saliba's still out, isn't he, as well? I think. He is. Yeah. Oh, I'm loving this. I wish we could carry on with this, but we have to wrap <laughs> things up. Thanks, everyone, for joining me, particularly on Easter Friday. Uh, thanks, Lloyd. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, Ben. No problem. Pleasure. Thanks, Laura. Thank you for having me on. And most of all, thanks everyone for listening in. That's a wrap for today, folks. We're off to put together an Easter-themed Premier League eleven. So far, we've got Gabby Jesus, we've got Riyad Mar Eggs. Um, if you could think of any more, let Howard know on Twitter. But don't add any context, just your suggestions, just to confuse the crap out of him. In the meantime, take care, everyone. Have a lovely weekend. Three points and all. <laughs>